Welcome to your Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 45 for patrons. Jam-packed with news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Today's top story is, it is Friday. It is the first Friday of the month, and we do the disappearing patron party on the first and third Fridays of every month. So you should hear this in time if you are a fast listener to become a patron and join the party. And even if you can't use all the extra content that we give for $5 a month, we give an extra 15 minutes for every Drive Time News Blast plus the disappearing patron parties. Uh, just for to support the show and maybe have a little fun tonight, you should, we hope, become a patron. But the Disappearing Patron Party will start tonight promptly at 8 and end probably promptly at 9 because one hour, two cocktails, no record. If I go over an hour, it might get, I don't know, I might, might say little, things. I, might get a little ugly in there. It'll be like my... Tweeting under the influence, I <laughs> will not, I am definitely not going to, uh, well, make it any worse than two drinks is a lot in one hour. I think anytime anybody's a little tipsy in tweeting, they should include that hashtag that you created yesterday, T-U-I, hashtag Yeah, somebody T-U-I. sent me a funny one where, like, he sent me some weird tweets, and then the next day, he was, like, kind of apologized for the tweets, and he said... <laughs> alcohol was a factor. <laughs> I just thought that was a funny. That's usually way. clear, I think. With a lot of no, time. I was stupid like that, but then I realized later that alcohol is sometimes a factor. I will be drinking Jim Beam again on rare occasions. Oh my gosh, so how can you choke that, that stuff down? I'm going to have an old Cuban, which is my favorite cocktail. Keep your private life private. All right. <laughs> and followed up by some champagne because you need champagne for an old Cuban. <laughs> All right. So one thing that we hadn't been talking about that I think was on people's radar was this. Well, it's only on Fox News, so it's obviously like heavily dialectical. So they came out with this like handwritten notes. I never, you know, I don't know if you verify that stuff or what, but handwritten notes that the FBI guys who were after Flynn were trying to get him to lie, trying to get him to implicate himself. It was kind of dirty pool. And this has been like something that the Republicans have been trying to prove about the witch hunt, blah, blah, blah. And I might have mentioned this in passing, but the reason I wanted to bring this up is when we see the Lori Loughlin thing where the con man said that the FBI tried to get him to lie about her, or you see that uh, the forensic, I think it was in Slate, believe it or not, that FBI forensics are much more flawed than or even just like bite marks and fiber analysis, stuff like that, that just are in the forensics files are more flawed than they are presented, which makes me believe that the forensics files is actually just a big ad. I mean, it was always an ad, but like a real like kind of propaganda thing. And then the but the absolute clincher for me was like a week or two ago. Nobody really talked about it. This should be something that, you know, the traditional historic left should care about because this is how people get railroaded. This is how people of color get railroaded. That whole um, thing in the 60s where uh, COINTELPRO, which... um, It's a long story, but it was definitely it was targeting the civil rights movement with dirty business at the FBI level. So the what they were trying to figure out last week or two weeks ago, the Republicans were saying this is a big old witch hunt. And the answer was it's not a witch hunt. We have surveyed twenty nine 
you know, randomly selected whatever FISA applications and found that 24 of them were flawed and did not meet the requirements of evidence and all that, even though they were approved. So their argument is, oh, no, it's not a partisan thing. It is almost universally flawed and violates the rules of whatever vague due process is even afforded in the FISA cases. So I, it's just a tipping point for me where I used to would say, like, there's good ones and there's bad ones. Like, you know, I know cops are good and I'm sure they're, you know, you watch like you read stories or watch American Greed or whatever. And it really looks like those guys are just hunkering down and trying to solve crimes and keep us all safe, whatever. Those are all propaganda things, too. But then I see this. And when you're talking about the vast majority, they don't even think twice about it. Those weird like notes that they get to take and present as evidence, even though they had they could be written down months after an interview. And the end it's like, well, the FBI guy's notes said blah, blah, blah. And you don't remember saying that. And they probably don't remember you saying it. They get to write it down way, way later. That was what was Jim absolutely. Comey. Yeah, that was in the Mueller report. Like the whole thing, almost the entire thing was these 302 reports or something. They just have no evidentiary value whatsoever. They don't, there's no perjury involved, none of that. So I... I just now I've I, I used to think they had to give us a whole lot of like deterrent and crime solving and crime prevention just to keep us, you know, to make it worthwhile for us to have this overarching government. And now it's gotten to the point, just like the propaganda machine, I feel like it's past the tipping point where it's a pr its primary purpose is to control people, put people in jail that they don't like, keep people out of jail, like John Corzine versus Bill Cosby, you know, they just pick and choose. And it's and now it's getting to be like where the bailouts too. they just pick and choose. And, and it's just total overarching control from the top. You mentioned Felicity Huffman or not Felicity Huffman. You mentioned Lori Loughlin. I wanted to tell you Felicity Huffman's daughter, this was in the news yesterday, got into Carnegie Mellon University. She oh, will be attending really? their prestigious wow. theater program. And Felicity Huffman is so proud of her daughter for getting into that school after she submitted and served her prison time. Wow. That's amazing. And, you know, I, I really hope that Lori Lachlan, I mean, but it's a little weird for me. I want Lori Lachlan. Her, you pointed it out and you were so right. Those That girl who's a YouTube star did not need to, uh, any kind. I mean, and it all came out like everything that we said about that absolutely was true, both using common sense and reading their documentation. It was in the FBI documentation that she should absolutely she should be a witness. She shouldn't have been um, prosecuted, Lori Lachlan. But if she gets restitution for a multi multi million dollar hit to her and her children, all the those people's image is everything. It is worth so much. And if this government malfeasance is brought to justice, just like with Comey, Barr, Mueller, when those guys do stuff wrong, taxpayers pay to the tune of millions of dollars. And so they, I don't, and I don't know that any of those guys went to jail. I mean, they just don't. Yeah. But you know, yeah. Jim Comey didn't have to serve time to, to compensate for costing taxpayers all that money. They'll probably, even if Lori Lachlan gets her due, it's not going to be at the expense of the guys who wronged her. Yeah, I'm interested to see how that plays out. You're right. The people who actually did the wronging here, are nothing's going to happen to them. At least it doesn't look like it, even though it has come out that the FBI was trying to forcibly set her up. So Yeah, and it was obvious from the beginning right. to us. So the grand reopening experiment 
is happening today, starting today, as Georgia and other states are, quote, reopening, which nobody really knows what that means. I go yeah, out. Yeah, there's like go, phase one, two, and three. And yeah. are they being criticized because their phase one isn't strictly in keeping with Trump's phase one recommendations? And then Trump kind of like half-assed promotes people <laughs> protesting. It's so stupid. Right. It's not making any difference. It's all on schedule. So the protesters come out exactly. They didn't come out two months ago. They came out now, just when things are going to start opening up anyway. Yeah. And they all, and this is all kind of, there's a lot going on on May Day, a very symbolic day for workers. And over overall, one of the things that this is doing is this is, a test to see how effective the fear propaganda campaign has been. So by allowing some states to open up or having some states to kind of open up, it's a way to gauge whether or not people are too afraid to go out in public on their own or whether or not they're like, yeah, and they're all just going to go back to the things that they were doing before all this started. So they can see if the public is going to self-censor, self-shut in, or if they're going to have to forcibly impose more things upon them to continue this conditioning program. Well, I think that they absolutely control most of it by giving people those payouts. So there, yes. so the small yeah. businesses are having problems, but the the people who are getting making more sitting at home, which is half the people, and then the businesses that are getting these bailouts, that are getting payroll forgiveness. There's just a lot of payola coming down, and that is what's keeping people on the couch, which is why I object to it. Yeah, and the theme that underlies all of this that I am seeing in almost every story yesterday and today is if you are pro-open back up or if you're pro-going out shopping, then you are pro-capitalism, pro-evil capitalism. If you are pro-shutdown, pro workers getting more money getting all this there's a lot of a lot of strikes going on today there's the protesting of the shutdown orders alongside with the strikers from amazon from the grocery stores saying we are front of the line workers we signed up to deliver groceries to check people out we did not sign up to be on the front lines of a life and death pandemic and you declared us essential workers so therefore increase minimum wage expand medicare all of the marxist principles the marxists are using the coronavirus to do the same mayday protests they do every single year except they have this extra added leverage of you said they were essential workers they're on the front lines dying. You need to implement this widespread socialism, communism, Marxist program. Communism versus capitalism is the theme of the day. And what they're demonstrating or what they think they're showing, what they're being told is, look, the money's there. All you have to do, we can just produce it for you. That's the modern monetary theory. We can just send this money to you. It doesn't cost anybody anything. And just what it does, it's either, there's either the transfer of taxes. So people get taxed and then that real money gets transferred to the poor. That's kind of traditional socialist idea. Or the Fed just counterfeits it, which is what they're doing both right now. But like the Fed will just counterfeit the money. So if the Fed is doubling the money supply, that means whatever's in your bank or whatever wage you earn is going to buy half because there's twice as much money. That's why counterfeiting is illegal. Only the Fed is allowed to do it. <laughs> now, if if we lived in like a rational world, a world where it wasn't completely manipulated by policy, academics and the media, you would see over time that it would all come crashing down. So when they closed the gold window or like they did the 2008 kicking the can, 
all those things, the comeuppance that we expected happened. It's happening. There was a debt collapse in the corporate world, and this was just one step ahead of it. And nobody's saying it was the 2008 2.0 that we were all anticipating. And it will never be known that this was exactly what the 2008 they, th- this bailout is much bigger than 2008. It's a bigger, much bigger bailout than 2008, even though it's supposed to be just a pandemic. And likewise, when it literally bankrupts the country or moves us to a non-money system, whatever that's going to look like, the global basket of currencies or digi dollars or whatever it's going to look like, they are once again, through sleight of hand, going to disconnect that from the idea that we bankrupted the country this way. And don't forget the Simpsons predicted like 15 years ago that a President Trump would bankrupt the country. And for me, I thought that is so hard to imagine, but you can find it. It was when Lisa Simpson became president after him. But there's something that I was talking about a little while ago, too, a couple of months ago. I was referring to a conversation that MacArthur had with JFK. Remember? I was saying he went to his apartment in, in the Waldorf, and he said, uh, MacArthur said, look, the only way to defeat America is economy. Like, the only, our national defense, our national strength is 100% economic. And the only way to defeat us is to destroy our economy. And that is exactly what's happening right now. And the left and the right, I'm not saying all the, all the voters, all the people, the people who think libertarians, people listening to me, but every, but Trump as a Republican, which is outrageous that he has got Republicans thinking that he is on their side, like those people who are marching, who think they're marching for the Bill of Rights, who think they're marching for fiscal sanity, and that they have MAGA hats on. It's unreal. But those people are are feeding, are supporting Trump, who is ushering this in. And then the other side, the AOC folks, they are they just think money comes out of nowhere, and it's just a matter of being an a-hole. Yeah. And to read a quote that kind of encapsulates a lot of what you're saying that I will read right after this break. Today's show is brought to you by Neighbors Feed and Seed. While other states like Michigan have deemed seed suppliers to be non-essential businesses, that's not the case here in Georgia. And with a lot of us spending more time at home than usual right now, there's no better time to get all of your gardening needs taken care of. And if you're anything like me, then you don't know how to grow a thing in your yard, but you want to learn. Neighbors Feed and Seed has a knowledgeable staff that will give you fantastic advice on how to grow anything. They offer garden supplies, vegetable plants, bird feeds, chicken feeds, premium pet food, just about anything you can think of. And the best part about it is that they are locally owned by a fantastic group of people. So if you're in the Smyrna area, stop by Neighbors Feed and Seed and say hello, or check out their website at neighborsfeedandseed.com and tell them the Propaganda Report sent you. Okay, so we're talking about communist capitalism, the debt, the expansion of this stimulus that were the bailout, and article after article is playing to the these bigger themes. There was an article in the Atlantic yesterday that is titled "Georgia's Experiment in Human Sacrifice." The state is about to find out how many people need to lose their lives to shore up the economy. It's a very long article. But this quote from the mayor of Athens, this is Mayor Gritz, this is a woman, a mayor of Athens, who likes to spend her days walking around Athens shouting at people who are on the curb hanging out, get back up on your damn porch, which is something she admits to, brags about in this article. 
just walks around Athens yelling at people. She said, and she's complaining about opening up too early, about how it's having a disparaging effect on communities of color because it's racist to open back up, because competition is evil, because if some people are willing to open back up and others aren't, that's going to be unfair to the ones that aren't. So by so if you want to work hard and produce mm-hmm. your... You're in, it's unfair because yes. some people don't want to see that. That's exactly goes to, the, yeah. that. Go, that's funny that it's getting to that point, because that's what I've always said about. Like people say, well, it's not fair if you if someone can earn more because they're smarter or whatever than somebody else. The other person should still get a higher minimum wage and stuff because they really can't. They can't do it. And I would say. That's not always true. I mean, if more people want to be actors than investment bankers, acting is going to pay less because investment bankers is a pain in the ass that nobody really wants to do. Now, they probably get overpaid because there's a limited, it's like an oligopoly, but you have to have charges and all that kind of stuff. But if they, if you, if you just don't want to, if you choose to use your time in a non-monetized way, if you choose to get value and if you want to have a, a lazier job because you like to smoke pot and you don't like to consume that much or you think it's better to hang out with your kids, to have a 20-hour-a-week job, doesn't pay that much, doesn't, you don't have to work that hard, you don't have to be that stressed. I mean, these are choices and those prices reflect what you actually bring, whether it's what you can bring or what you choose to bring. But it's what you actually bring and it's connected to what that actually produces and what other people will pay for it. It's not a moral thing. It's, a, it's just math. Yeah, but they make it a moral thing in the propaganda messaging. And the reason, the way they frame this as being racist, opening back up, is some companies are going to take that risk and put not only their customers' lives in danger, but their employees' lives in danger. Otherwise, their employees will lose their job. And these are employees that are, there's more people from communities of color working in these positions that are in these businesses that are opening back up, yet the people opening opening them back up don't have to be on the front lines. And if a business wants to stay closed, it's unfair to them because the ones who are willing to take the risk, they, they, they're going to put them out of business. So it's the whole idea that capitalism is bad, communism, follow orders, all of that's good. And here's what this says in this article quoting the mayor of Athens. Some have speculated that the move to open back up is intended to bolster the state, the state of Georgia, their budget, possibly by making thousands of people ineligible for unemployment benefits if their employers reopen. Quoting the mayor of Athens. So wait, let me read the quote. Okay. Hold on. Every indication thus far is that you as an employee can't stay home and continue to collect unemployment simply because you fear infection. Ms. Gertz told The Atlantic, you of your own volition have made that decision in terms of how the system views you. So she's promoting, she's saying it's a shock that you're not allowed to just sit at home and collect welfare because you're afraid. It makes no sense. It makes no economic sense. It's completely backwards. The whole idea, how dare you open back up because you're forcing everybody else to open back up. So therefore, everybody should be forced to shut down. That's the theme that's going... What were you going to say? I can't remember. That's why I interrupt you. But somebody tweeted meanly at me for interrupting you. So I'm never doing it again. <laughs> what triggered you is it said that people have speculated that the move is to bolster the state's budget, possibly making thousands of people ineligible for unemployment benefits if their employers reopen. Yeah, it just makes no sense that you would say that it is you don't get to choose not to work just to get 
unemployment. You know what I mean? That is not like a, a valueless decision. You know what I mean? You don't, you don't get to just say, well, it's not fair that you're telling me to work or I don't get paid. Like, what are you thinking? But it folds right into the UBI thing and what Pelosi is saying, a minimum income, where it just doesn't, it's just not inherently fair that people just shouldn't get enough money to live whether they work or not. I mean, it's always disconnecting. It's just like Obamacare. It's just like Medicare. It's just like health insurance. You're disconnecting decisions from the value, from the value of those decisions. And, and that you're just never going to get production or consumption. But I did have something to say about this. You were going to talk about the cashiers being on the front lines. Yeah, and- one of the stories that's fueling into this theme, it was about the most dangerous places in the grocery store. And that most dangerous place being the checkout line. So the cashier being the front of the line worker. And the entire article demonizes customers. It's these stupid customers lean around the plexiglass and breathe on these frontline workers who are getting paid minimum wage and sacrifice, risking their lives to check people out. Or when people have to do the self-checkout, they're so dumb and stupid, they don't even know how to self-checkout or they need to get their ID checked. So when the person comes over to check the ID, these evil customers are crowding around them, getting their germs on them. I know how they can solve that. Get one of those carnival barkers who guesses people's age they're out of work right now just have them stand at a safe social distance they can that's verify. a great idea but i definitely idea, don't want to run into one of those guys ideas that shoppers <laughs> are bad people engaging in capitalism are bad frontline employees frontline warriors good well i had an insight the other day when i was at the grocery store and like i was kind of touching on it a little bit yesterday like we're the old people like i expect the old people when i'm like this is bullshit to say yeah i'm with you and nobody says yeah i'm with you i say it's this is bullshit to everybody i see and nobody's really with me so and i was at the grocery store and i noticed that like i didn't know anyone there so it's my local grocery store and i don't know anybody there so my community is too large, right? Like I can't talk to these people and say, this is bullshit. Let's just whatever. So I can't take care of talk to these people. We have no relationship whatsoever. And it's all the same every place I've ever lived. It's, the supermarkets look exactly the same. I don't know anybody. Everything's the same. Everything's the same. So the way the stoplights work and the malls, it's all the same. And it's going to be even more samey after all the small local businesses get shaken out from this event. And it reminded me of a couple of things, a few things, actually. I was reading a biography of LBJ, did not get very far into it. But it talked about how, you know, he was a piece of crap from the beginning, except for that he did one thing. He reached into all these impoverished towns in the South and everywhere in the country, and he changed it all by, like, put getting giving them welfare or like whatever like get making sure they had shoes and running water and and roads and like that never would have happened anyway without it and you know every once in a while i just get tired head of just being all math all the time and i was just like you know what maybe maybe it was like maybe it helped people you know maybe he really helped people not be impoverished and then i like realize what actually is happening and that gets to proudy and rosa quar about just mercantilism or expansion or globalism or commerce materialism control they they had to then they're still doing it today reaching into the rural places they have to go they they and it's what wars are for to go to vietnam everything like that 
They want to go in and they do not want little towns developing in their own ways, taking care of each other, building all the buildings they need. And then they don't have to build any more buildings. You know what I mean? Having a family house, having a family farm, maybe every little thousand person community would develop in a different way. And it wouldn't be all materialism, all consumption. There would be so much more and it would be different. It would be culturally different. It would be connected to the land that you actually have, how your water works, what your weather is like. All of that stuff would make for little communities that that would have these connections. And the problem is they would not have this upward um, dependence on like an overarching government. They wouldn't have the same production and consumption profile. So all they do all the time is make sure like they keep interest rates low. They build infrastructure with taxpayer dollars. They just make sure that they subsidize your consumption by making it cheaper than it would be if you had to be like, I need to build a road to the next town to get the pretty dresses that they make there, or I could just make my own dresses, you know, and it's not worth building a whole freaking road for, but like, but the road's there. You could just go get that dress for the exact same price as your own dress. Just get on the road. So I just feel like on a big picture, you know, systemic level, globalization level, and this goes to like my insights into the technology or whatever I've been reading about the technology, agorism and stuff. They, they, and Rosa Quara says that's why they want all the systems to be regular. That's why they want surveillance and censorship. They want all, they want um, zoning laws to conform around the world. They want the grid to conform around the world. The ID 2020, that is a global ID, the vaccines, everything. And, and it's, I mean, it feels like, you know, it sounds like the globalism itself is alive. You know, there are people at the top. There is Bill Gates and George Soros and Warren Buffett. They are up there. They are working towards this. The guy who did the World Economic Forum, they are doing all this stuff. I, and it's a legacy that got, that's been going on for 100 years, if not 500 years since Columbus. But this is, this is where... This is where it's headed, and this is just leveling up. And and that's why I'm beginning to think about, you know, the only answer really is to step out, is that agorism thing, is to, like, just you have to be able to grow your own food. That's the only thing. Food, water, and air is the only thing that has no substitute. Not to harp on our sponsor for the show, but that is exactly what the oh, type yeah. of people who go shop there. I went and visited the store. It's a great place. And sustainability and being able show, to leave though. off of the grid and, and grow your own stuff yeah and and that is what i think is the real i was totally not thinking of that when i was saying I that you stuff because you know yeah. i'm on, on that wavelength anyway but i just when i'm in the grocery store when i have this connection like why don't i know anyone a grocery store doesn't need to be that big like it doesn't have to like that's yeah. the, the fallacy of economies of scale Economies of scale do exist, but it's much, much smaller. The scale, the reason all this stuff scales up like that is because of regulatory barriers to entry. They all have to have an accounting department. They all have to have a OSHA department. They all have to have a healthcare department. You know, they all have to have all these big departments that only global corporations or big mega corporations can do for every single person. And it's all, I mean, it's just, it's a bit of a scam, but we're seeing it now. And I just think we need to reach out to each other. I try to be extra friendly, really talk to people, look at them and tell them it's all bullshit. Yeah, that's the way to do it is to talk to people one-on-one conversations, engaging in the social media mob masses of it can be very challenging to overcome because really people, it's very emotional triggered responses. Sometimes it's even bots. I want to quickly, I know we have a few minutes left. We were talking about China, Russia, the misinformation stuff. Well, there's a couple stories today that go well together. One of them is that Trump was asked about the origin of the virus yesterday, and 
he said that he has seen evidence that makes him believe that it did come from a Wuhan lab. So we've kind of come full circle here. And what this is doing and this narrative, I've been following this narrative. It's been headed up by Steve Bannon, very hardcore with Bannon's podcast. His, his podcast is very much the evil CCP. CCP's evil. We're going to get them. There's no way they're going to get away with this. This was intentional. This is warfare. So this, that's the extreme of China did it. We're at war with them. We need to attack them and get them back. And there's also another story today about how the administration is considering options for retaliation against China for what they did. And this is convincing a portion of the public, whether true or not, that China is the evil actor in this case. Now, the news stories about this keep saying, even though, even though it is true that, they, that the intelligence agencies are investigating if the virus did accidentally leak from a Wuhan lab... It has been ruled out that it was bioengineered. It was not bioengineered, and it was not an intentionally created weapon to release, gene-edited weapon. So they're putting that narrative out there, even though Trump is not saying that. They're acting as though he is, so perhaps that is what's going to be said next. But it doesn't matter. Something can be released on purpose without it being bioengineered. I think that might be the ultimate conclusion that the right settles on as a reason to retaliate against China. So with that being said... I pull up foreign policy this morning, and the first article I see is, here we go again, Russia gears up to interfere in the 2020 election with coronavirus disinformation. This is foreign policy, the, the, the magazine of the globalist. And, yeah, the CFR. Yeah. And when you go into the article, it says, Russia is not the only one engaging in this. China is also engaging in this. And while they might have different objectives, they are learning from each other's methods. So it talked about them as a team, almost working together, pointing to this theme that I think we're going to see more and more of in the mainstream now. China, Russia, evil actors, the left, Russia, the right can hate China. Everybody can want war. Well, the, you can't forget it's an election year. And for me, the number one goal of all elections since the hanging Chad in 2000, maybe even before then, has been illegitimacy. Every single election since then has had a legitimacy issue. Every single one. So it was the hanging Chad. It was the Diebold machines in Ohio. It was the Kenyan birth. It was the um, it would have been the illegal immigrants for Hillary. It would have been the Canadian citizenship for Ted Cruz for Trump. It's Russia. This election is going to have legitimacy questions no matter how it goes down or who wins. They are already battling about how it should be a mail-in vote. That is going to create all sorts of problems. And of course, that's just a stepping stone for online voting. They have to have it have a lot, a lot of problems so that they can digitize it. They're not going to go back to in-person voting. They're going to just, this is going to be a stepping stone. And in order to do that, they have to make a crisis out of it. And we were talking about how they were, they were expecting like such a massive tripwire for this election, election crisis 2020. I made a hashtag that you're going to have martial law. And I just, I mean, can we consider where we are right now already kind of martial law? I mean, I think they're, we we don't we don't have the soldiers in the streets because we're not resisting at all. But it is de facto martial law. That's that's exactly right. Some of my friends I was talking to about this about is martial law coming, martial law coming. I'm like, it's not going to be an announcement. Okay, time for martial law now. No, it's going to be the boiling frog where we just accept conditions and then ultimately we look around and go, oh my gosh, how did we get to this state? Through oh crisis yeah, and oh fear. yes, absolutely, yeah. sure. But look, we've got a. Uh, 
That was kind of a downbeat. So we're going to do the patron 15. I have an upbeat story or anyway, some stuff about the Spanish flu, the 1918 flu, something oh, I've really dug into. Well, flu. I mean, yeah. I don't know. It depends, but it's a, certainly offbeat. And I am really, this is Friday. I'm really looking forward to the disappearing patron party. Can't wait to have my cocktail tonight at eight. If you're uh, around, join us and stay tuned for the patron 15. If you're uh, one of the gang. And to go out on a kind of light note, I think it's light anyway, and it fits a theme we talked about, the liberty-loving protesters who are going to be the reason for the rise in the coronavirus. The One of a state legislator in Michigan who, during a protest, was like held up in the building on the Capitol, said she tweeted out during the protest yesterday in Michigan, they were chant. well, she tweeted out, not out, she tweeted out, men with rifles are yelling at us. Some of my colleagues who own bulletproof vests are wearing them. I have never appreciated our sergeant at arms more than today, so. Wait a second. So the guys with guns yelling at them weren't the sergeants at arms? No, she says they, they weren't were the, the protesters. Cops? No, I know, but like the, right. she, that's on her side all the time, I right? Know, all yeah. the, every SWAT team, that's what they do. Every, most of the pictures you see, if there's a guy with a gun yelling at you, he's got a uniform on. Yeah, I just love the theme or the idea. Oh, that libertarians are neo-Nazis. It's so that, hilarious. But just the image of these politicians, oh, I got to go to my closet and get my bulletproof vest or these conspiracy theorists are going to blow me away. It's funny to me. Just stay home. She should just stay home. Right. I don't believe any of it. Yeah. You could be completely (laughs) insulated from all harm if you just stay home. Isn't that the message? Actually, I have some about gun control. I'll tell you in a minute. All right. And I will tell you about Anderson Cooper's announcement that I think (gasps) you'll find interesting. Oh, that'll be upbeat. You guys can find... He's going back in the closet. We'll see. Okay. You guys can find your Drive Time News Blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want to get access to the patron party tonight and to the extra content that we post every time that we post a dmb then go to www.patreon.com slash propaganda report and for less than 15 cents a day five bucks a month you can get access to that content and we do appreciate anybody who wants to contribute more to help produce the show and help help us continue it going we will talk to you guys next week and see you at the party tonight